0: Right. Well, welcome to the City of Iowa City Work Session for September 5th, 2023. It's 401. And we'll go to our first item, our fiscal uh, year 25 budget discussion.
1: Okay, thank you, uh, Mr. Mayor and Council. Hard to believe we're right back into budget season again. If you ask the the staff out there, probably they just say it never really ends. Mm -hmm. Um, But we are starting the fiscal year 25 budget uh, uh, currently. Departments are uh, working on capital projects now. We'll soon be shifting to operating budgets. Uh, You will receive the budget in January and go through your deliberations in the following few months before it is uh, finalized in the spring of next year. Uh, So what we'd like to do with this work session is just kind of take your temperature, see if there's anything new. Um, that you'd like us to consider during the budget process. Um, That could be shifting of capital projects, new capital projects or other operating initiatives that that you'd like us to evaluate um, during uh, the budget season. We always tell you it's easier to evaluate that during this planning phase uh, than it is uh, after we present that budget uh, to you in January or February. So anything that's known is appreciated. Always understand that new things can emerge at any point in time including during that review session Um, a few things i wanted to uh, just touch on as a reminder Um, i'll start with just the uh, kind of the overview of the fiscal climate that we talked about with the fiscal year 24 budget Um, for those of you that have been um, uh, either on council or following for several years you know that uh, we have been Um, working through the fiscal year or the 2013 uh, property tax reform that the state of Iowa passed. Uh, that had a roughly 10-year phase in, and so for, from 2013 really to just about last year, we worked through a lot of those reforms. There's one lingering effect of that, which is the, um, the commercial backfill piece that will um, be phased out uh, over the next couple of years. So we finally thought we were getting through that, and uh, lo and behold, there was more property tax reform Last session. So what we know now is that uh, um, both of our uh, our both our library levy and our emergency levy uh, will be phased out over the next several years. Uh, that's 47 cents of the total levy, and roughly about two million dollars that we will need to absorb into our general fund levy. That's our 810 levy. That is a maxed levy, meaning we can't go any higher with that rate. Um, and assuming that, um, we don't want to change service levels either at our library or with our climate action, uh, programming, uh, we have the task of, of trying to absorb that in the general fund, uh, which of course, uh, is also the funding for our public safety, our parks and rec, our general government, and many other, uh, operations as well. The rate of phase-out is not known at this time. It it does um, accelerate or decelerate based on uh, the valuation growth that we experience from year to year. Uh, So I couldn't tell you exactly um, how that phase-out will be, but we know at the end of four years, neither of those levies will be available for us. What is unknown is any further uh, um, property tax reform that may take place from this point forward. Um, When legislature adjourned last year, there were several comments about revisiting property taxes again uh, with this coming session. So um, we should expect that at least there'll be conversations on further reform. We don't know what that further reform may look like, but we'll need to be prepared to adjust accordingly. So at the same time the state is kind of restricting either taxable valuation growth or limiting our use of levies, um, we are still not um, growing uh, from a taxable valuation standpoint like we had uh, in the early part, um, in, the, in the in the years uh, um, immediately after the 2013 reform. So I like to say during that 2013 reform, um, our community growth, our taxable valuation growth was strong enough to where we didn't uh, necessarily have to cut uh, based on those reforms. We were able to, to tread water, if you will, um, maintain our current services um, through that period. The last couple years have been uh, a, a bit of a, a different story for us. Um, through fiscal year 23 and 24, we actually witnessed uh, or experienced, excuse me, a .8 percent decline in our taxable value so even though we are growing as a community again the effects of these reforms are that certain property classes are um, paying less uh, in taxes so um, we actually saw that 08 percent decline and I I think we can all understand how that may not be sustainable so we really need to focus on uh, continuing to grow that that taxable base especially in light of the loss of the emergency levy and the library levy We have seen building permit values rebound uh, from uh, 2020, in which they were down to their lowest level, uh, primarily due to the COVID's impact on, on economic activity. Both in 21 and 22, we saw incremental growth. Um, I think that incremental growth continues in 23, but the same pattern is emerging. That's, it's, it's one or two major projects that are driving that valuation growth as opposed to uh, many smaller projects uh, kind of throughout the, uh, uh, throughout the various uh, property classes that we track. So we have to be cognizant of uh, the role that those significant um, uh, uh, projects are playing, and they're really um what is driving uh, our our taxable growth at this at this point so at the same time we have some of those revenue challenges uh, we all can appreciate the inflationary uh, pressures that are uh, coming on the expense side as well uh, we talked about that quite a bit with the fiscal year 24 budget we have numerous supply line items that have increased much faster than we're used to things like gasoline heat um, uh, chemicals, uh, those types of things have impacted budgets well beyond the, the traditionally expected 3% to 4% uh, growth in those line items. Uh, nonetheless, um, we are we are focused on continuing to provide the, the same level or higher level of service uh, to this community t- uh, despite those challenges. We're also committed to your strategic plan objectives and those actions listed in the strategic plan report, and that's how staff uh, goes about prioritizing our recommendations. We look at protecting those core services, making sure the community can count on those services that we deliver day in and day out, and then uh, doing as much as we can with those strategic planning uh, priorities I did list in the memo that's in your packet um, the three bullet points that were our budget goals for fiscal year 24 that's on the second page of that memo every year staff looks at those and we may make minor adjustments but for for several years those have um, been relatively consistent um, even though the language itself may has may have changed slightly um, we'll appreciate any feedback. You don't have to verbatim give us those um, goals, but if you have any feedback on those three existing goals, that would certainly be helpful uh, to us. So at this time, I'll, I'll turn it back over to you for discussion again, looking for anything um, um, significant in scale that you want us to consider um, as we prepare the fiscal year 25 budget.
0: Let's jump right in.
2: Kind of a quick question. How are you, um, as you talk to the different uh, department heads uh, in explaining kind of these same uh, fiscal realities, uh, what kinds of direction are you giving? Like, are you asking them to just to cut things? We're not at that phase. Kind of how are you handling sort of that from a beginning of the process uh, approach?
1: Yeah, they they, um, probably feel like I've been a broken record over the last decade, which is, um, you know, uh, I need to know um, what, um, what, what investments we need to make to continue to um, maintain those service levels, but it's probably unlikely that we will be able to fund any significant service expansions um, through these challenges. Um, I always like for the department heads to um, indicate, you know, what they would like to see, even if they Mm -hmm. don't believe it's realistic. It just helps me understand, um, the direction that they're, they're leading their departments. Um, but the reality is we, we really haven't been able to, um, fully meet staffing needs of a growing community. Like I said, we've kind of been trying to tread water at status quo or just above status quo for over the last decade. And in the same period of time, we've added thousands of residents that have put additional stress onto um, the, the service, uh, the services that we deliver. But at, we're still, to, to be more direct into that second part of that question, we have not given any direction to cut um, from department budgets.
3: Certainly, it seems like in the past, as you synopsized for us and then also doing sort of a here's a look in the rearview mirror as well as looking ahead, I mean, I think it's tremendous that we haven't had to grow, or sorry, that we haven't had to make any cuts um, in the face of both declining tax base and um, a a rising population, I guess, really starkly, uh, if this kind of volatility and or well volatility that's leading to more kind of uh, things coming from the state that that hamper our ability to do revenue have you been in conversations to say well and here's at a point where we do need to make cuts or um, w- w- what's the projection forward how how long can we tread water um, yeah. and and when do we need to look at the potential of cuts and
1: yeah I, d- I don't think we're there yet okay. Um Uh, but certainly when you look at two years of negative growth, we're almost at a percent over those two years of negative taxable growth, that's a, that's a trend that, that we, we can't continue. Um, so we hope to see those building, uh, permit numbers and valuation numbers continue, uh, to increase. Um, what's what what's adding more uncertainty uncertainty into this budget um, uh, for fiscal year 25 is we know there's going to be a sharp reduction in the residential rollback rate right we you all probably fielded some calls this spring when valuation numbers came out and it wasn't uncommon for people to to open up that mail from the assessor and see that their valuations on their property had increased 20 to 25 percent on the surface that seems like that would help the city's budget quite a bit um but in reality those rollback rates that the state sets come november Um, are expected to drop and offset much of that valuation. We just don't know that variable until late in November, Uh, so it's hard to say exactly um, what that'll look like. Uh, Absorbing 47 cents into our general fund levy is going to be no small task. Again, that's $2 million over uh, the next several years. I'll remind you that this current fiscal year that we're in, we're actually taking in less property tax dollars than we were the previous year. So again, not a sustainable, um, not a sustainable situation, but one that we hope is just a short-term blip.
2: And again, that's despite the fact our community is actually growing. Like we Correct. We actually have more people, more whatever, and yeah. Yeah.
1: So overall, properties. When you think of assessments, you have. 100% assessed basically what all the properties are are assessed by the assessor and then there's the taxable valuation and the state determines how much of an individual property is taxable so right now residential properties and multifamily properties are taxed at about 56% of their value commercials at 90% but that residential uh, piece which now includes multifamily um shifts every year it'll go up typically a percent or two uh this year we're expecting it to drop maybe six to ten percent um is is kind of the best guess that's out there
2: I know in a little bit we'll be talking about, um, or we've got, at least in the packet, this last packet, uh, some of the updates on strategic uh, initiatives, strategic uh, uh, plan initiatives, um, and I know that from our value statement from the last budget cycle, mentioning trying to keep those, uh, keep engaging those, um, who does, uh, is, is that your office that sort of then looks at those additional strategic planning stuff, or does that filter up? through the various departments
1: yeah all of the department heads are keenly aware of the the strategic plan and as they prepare their budget they will um put recommendations in there that support those at the end of the day um, it's the city manager's office and the finance department that have to review all those get the numbers to balance uh and prioritize those department requests but they they definitely start at the department level and then Uh, We're kind of that final checkpoint where we'll take the plan as we're making our final recommendations and ensuring that all those actions that are called for in the strategic plan have the funding to support them or if we don't um, that we're recommending new revenues or other alternatives to achieving that. So a good example of course would be your fare free. Um, Come next summer you're going to have to make a decision on whether to continue that fare free service or not. That's not going to be able to be absorbed by property tax we're going to have to develop a a, a different creative funding strategy to keep fair free if that's the um, direction that council wants to go Um, so um, it's kind of the strategic plan should be and i believe is uh, recognized at all steps of the process from creation to evaluation on your part thank you
4: just to tie into that jeff um the, you mentioned maybe wanting some feedback on these budget goals as well, and I think in our discussion of the strategic plan, we've talked about having things be, like, you know, articulated and measurable in terms of how we're tracking things. So I think the the goals that are outlined in terms of the, the kind of broad budget goals, it's hard for us to know what that means you know like relative from year to year and so maybe just kind of tying those things together to say as we're tracking in the strategic plan here's how we're meeting these goals or this is the target improvement that we want to see um i know in the past in the budget so like last year the timing was kind of weird because we adopted the strategic plan in december and then you know the budget document was already very well underway in its creation are we going to have a different format this year that that because I know we had the like, which strategic priorities does this hit? Yeah, was included. Will that be
1: Nicole? You want to speak to the revision of those goals?
4: I think you're talking about all the performance measures. Mm-hmm. So, all of those, yeah, we went through to see if they're still relevant, what strategic area do they still cover and then to all the departments had the opportunity to remove or add new measures that would better align with the strategic plan so that will all be in the new budget book and will we have some kind of tool for like putting that together so like if a department had, has identified a certain metric that they want to keep reporting on it, like can we sort of see why that is included or it's just sort of their discretion? I don't know if that question makes sense, but.
1: Yeah, I, um, I can jump in on that. So uh, certainly if if there are metrics that you'd like us to track, uh, we can absolutely incorporate those in. Um, obviously, we might have to develop a data collection uh, mechanism, but if certainly if there's, if there's information that you think would be helpful, we'd be more than happy to provide a path forward to collect and, and share that. And then, you know, when it comes to um, the update of those performance measures, if you'd like to see more frequent updates than, than we present in the budget, we we can do that. Um, we've talked about developing dashboard metrics for. Um, different initiatives we can do that it's going to take some time on your part uh at a work session probably to 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 sit down with us and and tell us exactly what you'd like to see tracked but we can we can develop that and there's um ways that we can do that internally there's also uh, a a number of different vendors out there that can put a pretty picture uh, on your website and interactive graphs and things like that we we can do all that But it's going to take some um, discussion with you to see what you want um, to be tracked and um, delivered to you.
4: I think it might be helpful even just to hear from each department head in, like, a a little short written paragraph or something as to why these metrics and sort of what they think matches up with the strategic plan, because I... within
1: within that budget document?
4: Or or somewhere. I don't know. In the presentation? I don't know. I mean, I I put a lot of weight behind what, you know, our department heads think is important and why we should be tracking certain things. So that might be a first step rather than us trying to define them.
1: Okay.
3: This is a discussion point, I think, for all of council, one of the things that I was thinking about, and I went very literal on, like, what kind of feedback can we provide about the relationship between our strategic plan, our our, our goals, and the budget. And, um, We've had so many really important conversations, but I'm really struck by some of the ones that um, our service providers were giving us as well, where there was the, before you get to, and, and I think even the city manager brought it up as well, in terms of a continuum about a healthy community, and that if you, we address fundamental problems or yeah. and inequities and pain points, in front of how do we help people get through those difficulties, um, that's where I would very much like to see, especially since now more than ever and next year and next year and next year, we have to be more thoughtful and deliberate about what we are going to attend to. That for me, um, I love being able to open up the strat plan and say, okay, during this year or these years, here's some of the things that we think can happen. And just in going back to it under each area each impact area it seemed to me that there were some core things that it would make people's lives easier if the city attended or, or continued on their way with it so for me it is something it is obviously not surprising um child care fare free transportation um i think while we are not going to necessarily consider ourselves to be part of um a landlord continuum, there is the strategic plan to look for a significant scale affordable housing effort with partners. Yes, those are all big problems and big things to solve. But I think that rather than chipping away at it, if we look at it and say what are the pieces that can go into place to achieve these end goals and to start thinking about it now, that's the type of thing that I would be really interested in hearing the experts in each of the departments kind of say, okay, how do how do we get there? But I'm one counselor of seven, and so I don't want to just say, well, here's what I think, go for it, right? I just, I want to toss that out there to say, why don't we go... At the same time, I know that the, uh, one of the conversations centered very much on like mental health and responsiveness, and we need to increase that, and I completely agree. But I also think, well, let's, let's also peel back and say, can we look at what possible solutions or, or things that we can do in advance of it getting to a point where someone is having mental health difficulties because of all of these stressors? Let's try and go fundamental. So that's one option or one way for us to start talking about this. Um, Knowing there's so many plates to keep spinning, but it seems to me that that could be useful, and it was also I think in large part why um, you know staff came to us for us to say let's do a really robust and thoughtful strategic plan so I just tossed that out for for conversation, and we don't have to like hammer it out today, but it seemed to me that that was kind of the impulse in bringing it up right now so um that's the way I would suggest one, one option is to really look at, like, what are the core things that people are really struggling with? And even if they're big, how do we – priori- should we prioritize those so that maybe some of the other things that we also have on our strategic plan are, are mitigated by virtue of the, the, some of the larger potential solutions? So I just toss that out for conversation. Yeah.
0: So I, I wouldn't agree with you. I wanted to maybe add um, specifically, chronically homeless. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yes, you, you know, in our community, we talk about homeless and housing as uh, being a human right. And I think if we were to really work collaboratively with Johnson County, other providers or municipalities in Johnson County, I really think we can make a um, continue effort in what we're doing with homelessness. Um, As many of you know, through the uh, Harvard Bloomberg, um, I think Jeff had in one of his um, memos where we did submit um, this as one of the tracks that we might be um, granted some assistance with, but we don't know and won't know. But I I feel if we can... Homelessness is huge, but if we kind of narrowed our... Um, lens for a moment and focused in on the chronic homeless. Um, Right now we're hearing from people in our community. Um, We're seeing an increase in people downtown Iowa City um, where they really need housing. And I think if we can come together as a community, not just as um, this would be a collaborative effort with also involving other municipalities in Johnson County and service providers to come together and see how we can really tackle that. I I think that would be worth um, moving forward with.
5: Thank you, Mayor. I appreciate those comments, because I was thinking on those lines too, because I think when you're looking at, you know, where should we put our funds, we should look at some of those projects that have been successful, totally successful, like 501 and Cross Park and Guide Links, those kinds of things that the city has put money in and collaborated with the county on. Uh, the, the chronic illnesses is, is a major problem and the mental folks with mental illness. But those kinds of projects have been successful and they're helpful, but uh, far from uh, what we really need. So I think that, that's very important.
2: Yeah, I think uh, just to kind of piggyback off of that, um, you know, some of the programs that we do use for that that we can build on are like our outreach program. Um, And uh, I think and hopefully staff will correct me if I get this wrong, but I think they can point to about 90 different uh, cases this year where they've taken somebody who's chronically homeless and uh, gotten them into permanent (coughs) housing. So, I mean, again, like you say, we haven't, you know, the problem is still bigger than that, but we can Point to and then maybe expand on those things that that have shown some success. So,
5: I think uh, something that really resonated with me in this conversation was uh, what Councillor Alter said, um, specifically talking about the. Addressing the the problems that people have in the moment, so I, I very much agree with the uh, comments about cr- uh, chronic homelessness, poverty in general. Ensuring that we're able to, um, you know, really deliver on those on those issues and, and increase people's quality of life is certainly um, a priority for for me. Um, and I would say, you know, there's there's many different ways that we can address those types of issues, whether that's, um, you know, affordability of the community in general, affordability of transportation one thing that particularly stands out to me in, in regards to transportation, in addition to um, you know, trying to move towards uh, us in a financial capacity, um, being able to continue fare-free service, but it's also to um, invest more in our bike infrastructure in the community, um, making our, our bike infrastructure safer, um, more uh, desirable for people in the community, um, and, and just generally more accessible um, is, is something that touches on many of our strategic priorities um, is is in the strategic plan and is just something I wanted to hopefully bring up in this conversation as well. Mm-hmm.
6: Well, I'll <clears throat> piggyback on that one. <laughs> um, and I'm sort of at a point here uh, serving on council where we're talking about a budget for the coming year and I won't be around next year. Um, but I So I haven't, at this point in time, I'm in part kind of looking at issues that that I've been trying to address uh, as best as possible over the time I've been on the council uh, and to to um, discuss them at this point now. Um, and one of them had to be with had to do with traffic safety. and I, I kind of tend to view these as future work session items by before the end of the year so I could participate. Um, and traffic safety, you know, I, I had wanted to talk about this in part because of the three recent deaths that we've experienced. Um, that really um, resonated with me. You know, these were violent deaths um, that, that took place on our streets. But on a more kind of happenstance note, uh, I happened to be at uh, Deluxe the other day. They have this wonderful outdoor patio. Um, having one of their soft ice, ice creams and, um, you know, that's a great front patio porch and, uh, Andrew walked by and so we said hello and we kind of opened up a conversation with some folks, uh, sitting at the table next to us and they learned we were both on city council and, uh, one of the folks at this other table had just moved to Iowa City from Washington, D.C., and she said, uh, since you're here, um, can I express some of my concerns? And we said, sure, what, what's up? And, and she lives in the Longfellow neighborhood and she said, traffic safety is a major issue in this town. And uh, you know, I had to laugh um, in her saying that. Um, but it, it does seem to me that we, we have, that's an issue that affects everyone in Iowa City, particularly on the, the major thoroughfares, the arterials, Um, so I, I would certainly like us to, to focus on that, perhaps have a process by which we, um, can hear from, from the public in, in a engagement. Um, perhaps one, one thought I had, but this of course needs the work session if you support this, would be to have a kind of a, you know, a community forum on traffic safety, safe streets, uh, where people could, could come and hear from one another and express their concerns about where they feel less than safe. Um, and that could then translate into a, you know, an imple- implementation plan. Um, but it, it does seem to me in my time here, I don't think things have, I can't say they've gotten better. Uh, it seems to me that the traffic speeds are higher um, and that safety is still uh, an important issue. Um, and there are some items, by the way, in the, the update, which I think can be built on, uh, could be perhaps part of that event. Um, again, in reflection, I think some of the more, um, uh, the events that I have attended, uh, say when Jeff Speck was in town or Strong Towns was in town were very memorable events, people showing up and participating as a community. Um, I think left an impression on everyone who was there. So, so there's that one, and I'll just um, mention another, which I had in mind, and had more to do with, uh, you know, Jeff's comments on how we are living in a time of fiscal constraints, and, um, you know, in an, in our our strategic plan of I think 2021, there was an item in there that we never got to, and that had to do with. Uh, looking at our finances uh, from the standpoint of um, how, how do these these land use decisions we make uh, have an impact on our capital um, capital budgets and long-term financial solvency. Uh, and I think in part, even it was in the plan, uh, but as we all know, we, we ran into COVID, we ran into Black Lives Matter, everything kind of just... Um, took a different course and we never actually got to that item on our strategic plan. I, I would like to, to raise it as a something that we look at again. Um, it may be something we could partner with um, Johnson County and consider that. I know that I just had a conversation today with a, a member of the Board of Supervisors. That raised this issue in my mind in terms of some of the land use policies that, that they're seeing in some cities in Johnson County. Um, that could also benefit from understanding how land use impacts uh, our budgets. Uh, you know, s- some types of land uses actually are, are quite um, uh, potent in terms of their taxable valuations, others less so. Uh, and these things can be beautifully modeled communicate extremely well to the the general public i don't i truly don't believe our general public understands these issues let alone you know the city council understanding how it um, how these things play out so so those were two items um, i wanted to ask for your consideration that could translate into workshops to be further fleshed out and and acted upon
5: Could you talk some more about uh, what a product would look like on the the latter section that you discussed there?
6: Yeah, um, there's a a firm, the firm that's worked, has worked nationally that's best known is called Urban Three. And, uh, you know, if you look at their website, uh, there are a number of ways they can employ their skills, but they're basically uh, look at modeling uh, the community in three dimensions in terms of. Uh, depicting how valuations on a per acre basis um, play out in a, in a municipality or county, whatever the, the frame of reference is. Uh, but, but there are a number of other ways their, their skills can be employed. Um, I, I think that might be something we could look at as well as you know, strategic planning in terms of what, what types of investments um, would make the most sense for Iowa City, uh, how can we leverage our public assets in terms of land? This is an issue that's coming up and, and something they've been involved in recently. Um, so there are a number of different ways it could go, but I think uh, I think they can uh, help the city or possibly Johnson County as well in conveying the, the gravity of this issue and also a way forward because many cities without Quite understanding and are, are actually putting themselves at long-term fiscal risk because of their land use decisions.
5: So, are you talking about uh, you know the cost versus benefit of building a subdivision on the periphery versus more development in the center? Right. Or you know, um, for
6: example, one one way that that their services could be considered is if we were to model different scenarios for what what would we uh, want to consider in this in part has implications with affordable housing as well what what might we want uh the minimum densities to be in peripheral development things of that sort you know just ways of of playing out in in scenario form um what the options are and what their financial implications would be if we were to follow them Uh, so it you know i would encourage you know those on council to you know, look at Urban3's website. There, there's lots of information there. There are lots of um, uh, examples of their um, work. Uh, one, one that I just looked at recently was for the city of Indianapolis, which I found interesting. Um, so I, I do think we are moving into difficult times in terms of financial uh, capacity, and I. I I think it's important that we understand how our decisions with regard to how we use our land, I think if we were to think of ourselves as farmers basically and um, that certain crops have different yields. <laughs> um, we, we do live in farm country um, on a per acre basis and what, what have been the most profitable and when, which ones have perhaps yielded less um, and, you know, if we take that analogy further, you know that the cost of keeping the farm solvent in terms of equipment and so on and so forth is not being covered by the yields that are being generated on certain certain crops. Um, so anyway, I think I think at this point in time, it would be useful to to have that kind of information.
4: I appreciate that, Um, John. And I think um, what I'm hearing is a lot of people thinking holistically, like bringing things together and having, you know, well, this topic also relates to this, which relates to our goals, which relates to our strategic plan. So I think that's really encouraging Um, just to piggyback. There's lots of piggybacking happening here Um, on what you were just saying. I I remember the um, Iowa City downtown district had that heat. They have like a three-dimensional heat map that showed the taxable valuation based on area of the city and showed the whole city. I think it was in their 2021 um, annual report. But yeah, it's really striking when you sort of realize that certain physical parts of the community are subsidizing other physical parts of the community. And giving us, you know, even just kind of understanding that on a really basic level so that we can use that in our decision making about like, you know, should we approve this infill or what's the value of that compared to this? I think, um, yeah, that's, I, I appreciate that a lot. Uh, I just want to kind of bring forward two broad topics that I hope will entertain. Nothing new. I know from Jeff's memo, this is supposed to be new topics, but I just want to kind of follow up on consensus that I've heard over the last uh, few months and then offer one maybe new idea. We'll see how it kind of fits in. So the first one is just overall our investment in community safety. Um, We had our conversation at the budget public hearing on April 4th about how we might invest, um, you know, Proposed addition in one department's budget into really focusing on preventing harm and diverting police calls for service to providers that may be better suited for a specific type of call. Um, I think you know, Mayor Potem Alter and I have been working um, on and we've had some discussion uh, in needing to follow up with Jeff on specific city manager goals and one that we've been working on fleshing out is is trying to um, you know, reduce the per capita calls for service overall and have the, um, you know, reduce the the overwork in, on our officers, that's reflected in the amount of overtime that we had. So to me, it would make sense to say we can make this a budget priority as well um, with some investments you know, on that part of the response spectrum that are preventing and diverting calls for service. Um, and I think there's some specific ideas that I have talked with various members of council and with Jeff about as well. Um, in terms of, you know, programs that may be out there and making sure that anything we invest in would be very specific to serving our residents and that if we, you know, if we wanted to put an additional, however much money towards um, an expanded mobile crisis response or something like that, just working with providers to ensure that they're accountable to us and we're tracking the data to know that it's having the impact that we want. Um, Along the same lines, I think, you know, or sort of like in that progression of this conversation, we had our work session with Chief Liston. I think that was in June where he mentioned the need to work smarter, not harder. Um, And I think that, Obviously, when we're in a budget situation like this, that goes for every single department. Um, but I think being able to capture some of the un- unused personnel funds in the police department for that data analyst um, position that we had for a little while and went away. And um, I think the, the chief talked about to us that day in June might be a way to help um, help with that overall objective relating to... Community safety, which hits on the mental health, hits on the chronically homeless, hits on um, traffic safety, I think maybe kind of ties into a lot of the priorities that have already been expressed here tonight. The other one then um, relates to economic development. So in this moment, you know, we have A lot of the things that we're talking about and that are prioritized in our strategic plan are getting some amount of additional investment through our ARPA dollars. And that includes the money that we've allocated for the underestimated uh, businesses and entrepreneurs and that sort of um, pool of money. And I think one thing that I've heard about that process is that it's just so challenging to, you know, have this kind of limited uh, scope that we have, the limited funds that we have. So in this moment, I think we have an opportunity with looking about, looking at how do we invest in that type of economic development with the opportunities that we also have in terms of, you know, uh, Wendy Ford's office, I think is changing with her retirement, so there could be some opportunity there. And then we also have the city's investment in the organization that was... ICAD slash the chamber and whatever that might look like, I think should include some evaluation of um, how we identify the value we're we're receiving from that. So all of that is to say, I think identifying as a budget um, priority economic development that is sort of focused on the inclusive economic development plan and quantifying that in some way.
0: I will mention um, it seemed like a big task. (laughs) Um, And that was one of the... We we were able to submit three things to Bloomberg, Harvard Mm -hmm. um, and hoping that we'll get selected for something. And so that was one, the inclusive economic goals uh, that we submitted because we know that it's a big undertaking. Uh, I would agree that... Um, it's a no-brainer for me to make you know to advocate for inclusive economic, especially since it's a part of our strategic plan. Um, I know that we have to fill uh, Wendy Ford's you know position, and we are paying for some services um, through other organizations like ICAT and uh, that you mentioned, and maybe trying to figure out how do we capitalize on those investments. Um, I, I, I'm a supporter of it, I, I just don't know what a number value would be um, because we don't have, you know, the replacement for Wendy Ford to kind of lead the effort. Um, we also have this wonderful uh, new position of having, uh, um, what is it called? The, um, uh, yeah, the grant writer. I wasn't gonna try to figure out another yeah. name for him yep. or for that person, but, um, <laughs> So there are some opportunities that I think are going to be coming to the city. So yes, I think we should be it with our staff as far as like a number. I, you know, I don't know how staff can come up with the number, but um, I think it's pretty vital that we uh, do some investments in, in the inclusive economic uh, goals of our city.
1: So I think the timing will work out pr- pretty good on that particular topic. Uh, I know the hope is that h- within the next month, we'll have some preliminary recommendations for the council on the capital side of the Inclusive Economic Development ARPA pot of funds. Okay. And then there's still a million roughly, uh, depending on that that recommendation on the capital side, there's still a million for that technical assistance support services. And uh, I, I think it's a good exercise to, to prioritize both those capital, those support services, and then really figure out what the gaps are. What what were we not able to do? And then staff is able to prioritize those those next steps uh, to the best we can and in the budget. And I, I feel like we can make some considerable progress in the next 12 to 24 months with the implementation of those major ARPA initiatives and the continuation of um filling those those gaps that 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 weren't able to be prioritized in this first round so i don't know i guess what i'm saying is mayor i don't know that you need a number at this point i think we need the recommendations first we need the council concurrence on what we are going to do with that four million and then that final number will become a little bit more clear uh, in a few months
0: Any other items for a budget um, for this budget discussion?
3: Just so it doesn't slip through the cracks I may have mentioned child care <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I would just I would very much like to see this is such a huge problem and we've made some really important strides and I just want to continue to see us peeling that onion with ideas that are coming from people who are doing the work and the partnerships that, that you've been able to, to strengthen so
2: I won't belabor the point, but obviously affordable housing is still, you know, a major Absolutely. priority of mine and I know it is of everybody else's, but just to say that out loud.
5: <clears throat> and both of those things have a big effect on on workforce development and, and the workforce in our community. <clears throat> I thought it might be just useful to go over just all the bullet points of what we've discussed because it has been quite diverse. So uh, just comparing notes here, I guess, for everyone. Um, in no particular order, this was just what came to my mind when I decided to put this list together. Um, we discussed priorities for chronic homelessness, inclusive economic development, pedestrian bike, uh, pedestrian and bike infrastructure, um, addressing mental illness, public safety and diversion, affordable housing initiatives, uh, increasing tools for long-term sustainable community development, childcare, and as always increasing partnerships with other communities and stakeholders on these issues.
4: Maybe just to put a bow on that, (laughs) I think it leads right into our ARPA update discussion, but you know, the intent of the ARPA, pools of money or pots of money that we're talking about in this phase are those that are intended to be more like longer term and transformational. And so I think just even having understanding that we identified those things based on kind of the very complex situation of the last few years. How is the fiscal year 25 budget going to allow us to build on and capitalize on those significant infusions in those particular areas? And I think affordable housing is a great one to kind of pick on with that because um, you know we we have I think some real potential to move the needle if we're pooling different resources. And so how how can that look? Um, you know just to kind of show that forward. PROGRESS AND PROJECTION.
0: OKAY. ANYTHING ELSE?
3: DID WE SAY... I KNOW THAT... It, ACTUALLY JEFF had MENTIONED IT AS WELL ABOUT THAT WE ARE GOING TO NEED TO LOOK AT OTHER FUNDING SOURCES FOR THE FAIR FREE. SO WAS THAT... I MAY HAVE JUST missed, MISSED IT, BUT AGAIN, MAYBE THAT'S JUST SORT OF SOMETHING TO ha- KEEP ON THE BACK BURNER BECAUSE WE'VE GOT THE MONEY NOW, BUT AGAIN... We're talking about FY25 right now, and the calendar date is September 5th, 2023, so we need to think about it for sure.
1: Yeah, so this budget won't necessarily have to have the solution Mm. built in because we did have a two-year pilot, which takes us into fiscal year 26. Um, but we'll want to present some of those early ideas to you because if there's anything that you're not comfortable with, then we need to be able to adjust. So we'll we'll kind of foreshadow what we're thinking yeah. with that fare free investment because um, you also I think you also know that we have very few avenues to build revenue capacity Mm -hmm. left, right? Um, So if you use one of those avenues for fare-free, that's one that's off the table for some other initiative. So you need to just kind of keep that in mind, too, which is why we'll present you some, some thoughts in the 25 budget, even though it may not take effect until 26.
3: And that, thank you, that was perfectly said. It was sort of mushed around in my mind, but that was it. It was like, we have so many things that are important to us and important to the community, and... We've got less and less to to work with monetarily, and so just to keep that in mind so that we can also be laser focused on what options we have down the road so they don't smack us in the face when we need to have thought about it already.
0: Thanks. Okay. Mm If nothing else, we'll move on to the next agenda item, which is the quarterly. Is item number two, which is the quarterly American Rescue Plan Act update, and this is in our um, August thirty-first information packet, IP four was um, was
1: a memo update. Hi, welcome, Tracy. Can I jump in real quick and start? Um, I want to just apologize. I. Um, did not get the, the uh, uh, what was a late handout today in the packet, and I intended to do that. So, if you have not seen your late pack out, uh, um, late handout today, I just want to walk you through what the cover memo said, and then um, uh, Tracy will walk you through the update. Everything that's in the in the cover memo was also in the update that was in your packet. It might have just been lost because of the length of that 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 report. So. Um, uh, r- real, real quick, um, we have committed about 14 million of the 18 million. Um, by committed, that doesn't necessarily mean we've entered into agreements. But for example, like your nonprofit grants that you've made, we've made those commitments to those organizations, even though you haven't seen the final agreement on how to spend those. So that 14 is what I'm talking about. That includes the the four for inclusive economic development. We don't consider those funds. Still able to be directed anywhere. We've committed the four. We're going to we're going to spend the four. Um, so that leaves us with roughly um, four million of uncommitted funds. And within the different areas, I, I wanted just to share some thoughts as we start to look towards the the final years of of um, committing and implementing these efforts. So of that four million um, left, we still. Um, we still have about 2.5 million earmarked for affordable housing Um, two of the things we wanted to look at uh, in terms of next step for staff is a rental housing initiative partnership with the housing trust fund of johnson county Uh, that's something we had preliminary discussions with them about uh, oh maybe nine to twelve months ago but we've kind of tabled as we've worked through some of the arpa um, efforts and then um, we'd like to also uh, look at exploring um, what a path forward would be for additionally publicly owned housing. So the council's talked a lot about, um, permanent affordable housing. We can really achieve that two ways through working with, uh, mission oriented nonprofits like the fellowship or habitat, but we can also do that by looking at public housing as well. Uh, Tracy and, and Rachel, uh, Carter and the housing uh, authority have some thoughts on, on how we might pursue that. So we might look at some ARPA funds to, to seed some of those efforts. Uh, just a few months ago council talked about climate action initiatives you did have recommendations from the Climate Action Commission on how to spend those uh, dollars that included energy efficiency grants uh, targeting manufactured housing and funding for resilient hub initiatives so that would be uh, oh I'm sorry we also had um, supportive process, uh, processing capacities and local agencies to access local foods those are things that your climate action commission identified as potential uses for arpa funds as we get into the business uh, and arts and culture side of things, you might recall we did a, a grant with uh, a grant program with Think Iowa City uh, where they were able to seed a lot of different special events in here that help drive tourism. Um, there are still funds in that, but we are looking at um, uh, $500,000 and two equal grants to our two Schmid districts. One of your strategic plan goals is to provide flexible incentives to our Schmid district so they can work to achieve the goals that they have identified um, in in their uh, respective communities that's the south of six and the downtown district. Um, So I'd suggest that we consider moving forward with two $250,000 grants to uh, begin that process that you identified in your strategic plan of giving them some flexible incentive dollars uh, to work with. Related to the government services uh, category, um, you'll recall a few months ago, Jonathan Durst from your water division came and talked about our plans for the lead service line uh, repl- uh, um, replacement. These are private water lines, um, and because of changing federal regulations, we're going to find ourselves in a situation in which, if there's um, identified defects in those private lines, that uh, they will be required uh, to replace those. Those can be very expensive, $5,000, 20000 depending on uh, the location of those lines. And we really think ARPA can play a, a role in seeding a grant program or a loan program to help um, defray those costs. We, we truly believe we will need a grant program or a loan program given the nature of this uh, challenge that's ahead of us. And ARPA could seed that money as opposed to raising that through a a water rate increase or putting that on the backs of all the rate payers. So uh, we're recommending $500,000 to seed a a city-administered grant program that would come along with all that lead service line. Um,
0: I have one question with that. Yeah. Um, I understand we're talking about seeding this money. Do you believe that the $500,000 will be spent um, within the time frame of ARPA funds that need to be alloc- need to be spent. Actually,
1: um, so we can meet the ARPA standards by allocating those to this, this city program. We don't need to spend all those dollars down. We basically committed it for that purpose. So we don't need to spend
0: the money by the end of twenty twenty six.
1: No, if we if we. If we dedicate it to a grant program like that, we would be we would be able to, to keep that going. And lead service line replacement was one of their um, stated priorities with the with the larger ARPA. Initiative. And it could be either a grant or a revolving loan. Yeah. Okay. We would, we would we would look at we'd have to design what we want that to be, some kind of income qualification or, or whatnot. Yeah. And then, um, lastly, in the in the um, uh, tourism investment uh, area as well, also with government services. Uh, The final recommendation is for roughly the last $500,000 to supplement the uh, Iowa City skate park renovation project. You may recall that we had applied for grant dollars uh, to expand uh, the budget for this project through the Destination Iowa grant program. That was a state um, ARPA program aimed at investing uh, in uh, tourism projects. Um, We didn't get those funds and thus Um, We we don't have the budget that we anticipated for that project. Uh, We think um, adding that $500,000 in through ARPA can get us to the point where we can Uh, renovate that facility and really have an incredible regional uh, skate park um, destination Uh, so we would recommend looking at that final five hundred thousand to supplement that project that's in your CIP right now has local funds committed Um, but at this point we're we're just starting design and need to figure out if we want to go back to that original project budget uh, or scale it back uh, because we didn't get that destination Iowa grant so i'm not looking for up and up or down on any of these i realize some of these are new initiatives um but i wanted to i wanted to to give you a sense of where my thoughts were with with really working through the last four million in uh uncommitted arpa dollars at this time okay i was longer than i thought so i'm glad you sat down tracy um (laughs) if you could if you could come back up and just walk us through um, all the different initiatives and then we'll take council questions
7: all right, great, um, Tracy. Haishi with Neighbor and Development Services. As Jeff discussed, we have been allocated over 18 million. We have committed 14 million, which includes that 4 million for the underestimated businesses, business support, and capital projects, as well as 3 million for social service and capital capital grants. Um, those we had a alloc- we had a statement of interest. We interviewed um, social service providers, and we working with neighborhood centers in Johnson County and Free Medical Clinic. They are working on their proposals. Free Medical might be closer to agreement. They will, they're will they improving their facility to expand their services, so we hope to have an agreement before you for that in this fall. Um, neighborhood centers in Johnson County, it'll depend on acquisition, how fast they can find a, a site to acquire. Um, direct payments to eligible adults, that has been completed. The eviction prevention is in progress. That is the housing stability pro- pilot projects that we entered with Shelter House. And a good news is part of that, it's in your affordable housing fund, but with that housing stability project, they also in- included the funds to hire case managers. So the landlord risk mitigation fund that we, ha- we allocate 30,000 each year to, that started this July. Um, I think they placed four tenants so far. Um, forest View relocation has been completed. The Emergency Nonprofit Assistance, we've assisted 13 um, organizations in Iowa City, and they are proceeding, and that includes the wage theft um, proposal with the Center for Worker Justice as well. Um, The underestimated businesses, um, as many of you know, the mayor serves on the committee with Redmond, and now me, Wendy, was on the committee, and I'm her replacement. So statements went out back in, I think, May, March. Do in May do in May yep um, we received 31 applications six were considered capital facilities we've been meeting with those they've been go- we've been working through those um, the last meeting that we had we're looking at how do these how does this physical space help them meet their needs um, for the targeted clientele so are there partnerships are there things that we can do how do we make this sustainable they're tweaking their applications and they're submitting revised applications by September 11th we will the committee will look back through those Um, possibly meet with the applicants, and then we'll come back in October for a recommendation. All right. Um, The affordable housing initiatives, um, Jeff just talked about that. Um, Two possibilities are are working with the housing trust fund to work on that permanent affordability and looking at those applications. We're also expanding our capacity in-house through the housing authority to develop affordable housing, whether that's through a development corporation, whether that's through a uh, conversion of public housing units into more units, we'll discuss. So my department will be looking at that. We'll be bringing forth recommendations about how how do we develop our own capacity to improve permanent affordability for non-federally funded housing. The mental health services, we funded the mobile crisis outreach. To date, communities hired three full-time counselors. They purchased eight vehicles and they completed the remodel of their physical space. Um, under workforce development, we um, hi, well, we entered a contract with UI labor center for a pre-apprentice program. They have extended offers to eight of their graduates for the fall 22 class. And now they're starting to work on their fall 23 class which starts September 14th. Under child care workforce development, we are working with four C's. We awarded 100,000 in ARPA funds for the navigator position. They began offering classes in their business center. They've completed trainings and they're, they're working on recruiting more providers. And as you know, the childcare wage enhancement, the $2 um, per, per hour increase, that is county combined funds. We, we've entered all the agreements. Those checks are now going out. And then Jeff talked to you about the climate resilience, um, about if, if you commit money, the possibilities that the Climate Action Commission recommended. And he talked to you about the small business, arts, and culture tourism investments. And I think that's about that. That'd be my update with Jeff's update.
0: (laughs) Uh, The social services needs assessment, capital planning, and seed funding. Did you cover that one?
7: Yeah, that's with neighborhood centers in Johnson County and Free
3: Medical Clinic. Got it. Okay. Then I had a question about the um, under strategic investments with the mental health services, um, and you gave fantastic update. I'm curious, has, has the 300K that hasn't been spent yet is there is that planned? Sorry, what was that? The $300,000 under mental health services that has not yet been spent, is there a sense of what it will go towards? It's like 300, uh, sorry, am I looking? I'm, but I am looking at the wrong thing, I apologize.
1: No, I, I, I am. you're okay. correct. There, yeah. There's some unexpended funds. So those are paid um, for as expenses are incurred. Mm-hmm. And my, my assumption is that because there's staff expenses okay. incurred, there just haven't been billed for those. So okay. I don't know if we're doing those monthly or quarterly, but we wouldn't have provided all those funds up front. We would have committed the funds, and then they would invoice us as the renovation project was done, as the vehicles were purchased, and as staff expenses are incurred.
3: And so to, to, to your Awareness or understanding—it's—it's it's primarily a staffing, like the money essentially is allocated for staffing, or that's their plan to. Yeah, their remodels send it down.
1: complete. I know they okay. purchased the vehicles, so my assumption it is probably like those is expenses are paid, and and the remainder is is staff.
3: Sure. And then, can I also ask about the workforce development because that, too, has a significant um, commitment, and it hasn't been spent down that much. So I just wondered what that.
7: They they bill as they incur expenses. Um, I don't think any of that was up front.
3: No, no. And I guess I'm just looking for sort of that that gap of like what what can you expect in terms of invoices towards what personnel.
1: I have to supplies, supplies. I have yeah to the, the four c's was all personnel right that was the navigator position the apprenticeship program would largely be personnel there were some supplies in there but that's largely um personnel as they have mo- more cohorts of students okay. they'll they'll continue to incur those expenses the only one that would be different there is the um workforce development piece that's the mm-hmm. the art. that's the uh Wage Enhancement Program, so you can see we did one third of that. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars has been sent to the Community Foundation, and I believe the intent is to to do that every year for three years until the seven fifty is is spent.
3: Okay, I th- that was. Thank you. I needed that band aid there. Similar
4: question, but on the eviction prevention, there's a very very small number that's been spent mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. Do we know why that is? Fifty six thousand out of one point one million.
7: It's basically as Shelter House bills us and they've been billing us for staff. So it's just as they bill we we continue to pay. Is that something that we can ask
4: for some kind of update on? It just seems like a lot of money sitting out there on that particular one.
1: Yeah, we can we can report back on that.
4: Maybe we'll see a huge bump with uh, you know, just being past the August turnover. I don't know what all the but if yeah. that includes the $30,000 um, fund, there's almost nothing being spent
1: on that. And my assumption is one of the things we'll, we'll hear is that they're using all the other dollars at their disposal first because ARPA generally has fewer restrictions than maybe some of the other federal money that they get. So it could be a case in which they're prioritizing um, other pots of money before uh, utilizing this. But we can, we can provide an update.
7: Shelter House will be bound by that duplication of benefits, so they cannot spend um, if, if rapid rehousing, CDBG, cv mm-hmm. if any other dollars going towards that service, they can't bill us for it yet. So, as that, those yeah. funds expire, they'll be billing us more because yep. CDBG, cv will expire soon.
4: That all that all totally makes sense. And I felt like this was one that we moved on pretty quick, like in January, I think we actually had the agreement. So it just it just seemed like a long time for, and and maybe maybe that was presented at the time to us of this money is not going to get spent for a while but it just feels a little um wonky
1: yeah i think at the time too there was still uncertainty with this wave of evictions that everybody kind of sensed was coming we didn't really know the magnitude of of the need at that point so it is one of the items we prioritize to try to get in front of that um, and maybe that hasn't materialized to the the level that we feared you. Which would be great. Yeah. Yeah. i yeah.
5: got a question about uh, the climate resilience section and uh, kind of what we're thinking about for expanded energy efficiency grant funding for manufactured housing. Uh, do we have ideas for, for what that uh, funded would look like?
7: I would have to ask Sarah. Um, I didn't read the climate action recommendations, so unless Rachel or Jeff know,
5: yeah, I don't. I don't
1: think there's been further discussion. This is then was, what was at the climate action commission. Um, we asked them to prioritize the, the top three. Um, uses of arpa funds they identified that but we haven't worked to to put the bones to an actual program yet we have housing rehab programs we have energy efficiency grant programs so we we have frameworks that we can rely on but if you as a council want us to focus on a particular thing say it's Uh, really want to focus on renewable energy and solar. Um, That was my comment. (laughs) And we can do that. Uh, So any direction would be appreciated. Otherwise, the the staff team will work and and ultimately draft up a program for you to consider.
5: Yeah, I mean, uh, the the thing that I was thinking about was um, a conversation that Councilor Harmson and I had um, a few months ago, I think back in May, uh, with a mobile home park resident who expressed... uh, considerable frustration with the ability to, uh, in a manufactured home, uh, get so access to solar. It's virtually impossible. Um, so I, I would love to see anything we can do to increasing access um, to solar for, uh, for manufactured housing park residences. Um, It it just seems like it hits on so many of our different goals. Uh, You know, ensuring that people have, you know, access to climate-conscious electricity, uh, ensuring that people are reducing the cost of living in their community. It just seems like it would be a great thing to pursue. So I I just put that idea out there.
7: I know for our housing rehab programs that we have right now, we concentrate on making sure that it's airtight. Um, We've had. Clients spend three hundred dollars a month, and that's on the mid Americans. That's how much they spend every month, every, all throughout the year for energy. So just to make sure they're airtight, they're weatherized, mm-hmm. um, and also we spend a lot of money on um, water heaters and heating HVAC units cool. in the mobile homes that we serve.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: I had a question about the um, under the affordable housing the. Uh, the discussions with the housing trust fund about um, the affordable rental housing to prioritize projects for permanent affordability. So my understanding of a lot of what we have seen with the money that we've provided to the um, housing trust fund doesn't necessarily hit that permanency. So is there something different that we're looking at with that? Or is this like specific to, we think housing fellowship will be acquiring, like do we have ideas of
7: what that would be that will make it permanent? Yeah, when we say permanent, usually if, if you're if you're allocating money to a private for-profit, for then that affordability period is all you get. It's ten mm-hmm. years, fifteen years, twenty years. If you allocate money to a nonprofit whose mission is affordable housing, even if they sell it or they're going to invest that money in new affordable housing, because. Right now, even if you do a 20, 30 year affordability period, at some point you need to subsidize that again. Mm-hmm. Um, your, your roof goes out. You're, after 15, 20 years, you need to put a lot more money into that housing unit. So long-term affordability is very difficult unless you're gonna continually subsidize it. So that's why we try to, if we're talking about permanent affordability to fund nonprofits with that, that central mission because in the long run, they're still gonna keep investing. And even if their affordability period is only 10 years, they're still they're still there to provide affordable housing. Um, they'll continue on. So, we try to get it through, if you're talking about permanent affordability, to work with nonprofit providers who have that mission.
1: So you see some differences. We'll just take an example in LIHTC projects. Um, Mm -hmm. The LIHTC project out on Rochester, Herbert Hoover, uh, the the next building, uh, that has a 30-year affordability period to it, um, but it's held by a private company. So after 30 years, they they no longer are bound by those uh, uh, those rent controls you take that in contrast with the light project in riverfront crossings with the del rey project which the housing fellowship will be the ultimate owner of that property after the affordability period we have the confidence we consider that permanent affordable housing because even if the Housing Fellowship decides after 30 years or 40, 50 years to sell that Delray building, we know that they're going to take those proceeds and continue to invest because that's their mission. So that's the key difference when we're talking with the trust fund is really making sure that those dollars are, are supporting projects and that'll have permanent affordability, even if that's not a, like a specific deed restriction or anything like that. It's, it's who they're granting to.
4: Thank you. I just want to make sure we weren't counting any like infusion of money to the housing trust fund as permanent under the way that you described it. Okay. Thank you.
0: Any other questions?
4: I guess I'll just provide just a little bit of feedback. I know, Jeff, you you said you weren't looking for just like an up-down, but I, I'm a little uncomfortable with the 250000 to each of the SMIDs um, for a couple of reasons. One is I think if we look at whether it's their, you know, geographic area, number of businesses that they serve, or um, just sort of like their capacity for doing things, I don't know if those should be equal between the two SMIDs. I mean, we've got one that's much newer, much smaller, Um, And I think there's value in, like, juicing it up, and I want to be realistic about the organization's capacity to handle that, so just hope that that will be taken into consideration. And similarly, because this is in the category, maybe not similarly, but because this is in the category of these, like, you know, longer-term transformational things, I see the idea of, like, providing them with flexible funding as not necessarily that or if they can give us some idea of how they anticipate that that kind of infusion could could be a longer term transformational thing that might be helpful sure that's just kind of my initial feedback on that
0: any of those other recommendations council want to make some comments about
2: i just want to make sure i'm doing my math right um it's uh, not <laughs> it's probably not yeah i'm a words guy um 4.5 million is is kind of in this bottom section right and i think yeah. at yeah. some point the number of having four million left over was thrown out there and i'm sure i probably just misheard yeah something.
1: it was around we were awarded 18.3 million i just kind of used some round numbers okay. there um we also have interest that's been earned uh through our holding of these funds so i think 4.5 is pretty realistic but cool the math you. is correct who knew yeah yeah no i saw it
4: (laughs) okay i do have one more thing can we get some information on the use of the skate park i remember when the skate park was built and there was you know all of this support and excitement and all of that and i feel like the times that i go by the skate park it doesn't seem to be that busy so maybe there's demand that i'm not aware of or it's the kind of thing that we need to improve it in order for there to be the use that we're looking for but i think something before we invest half a million on that would be helpful
1: yeah we can certainly do that julie's been um thinking about that project for a couple years now as the current um park is is deteriorating a little bit so we can we can circle back to you on that
4: because i know in our in the pedal paddle proposal i think it like included the like the pump track part
1: correct yes so it, it that would be a piece of this that we might have to drop off if we don't supplement that budget um so it's a kind of like a parrot with a bicycle uh, type of facility as well. Cool. Thank you.
0: All right. Thank you, Tracy and Jeff. We're going to move on to the next item on our agenda, item three, clarification of agenda items.
3: I apologize for not having brought this up earlier, but I do want to pull... Um, from the consent agenda, uh, item 6E, which is the North 1st Avenue improvements.
1: We can do that.
3: You.
1: Do you want a staff presentation on that one, then?
3: Just it's want not to... terribly long. It would be nice as a refresher. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I didn't mean it that fair. way.
1: Yeah, we'll come fair. up and give it a quick overview. Yeah, that would be... Ve- ve- I appreciate it. Thank you.
4: There was something that I was expecting to see on this agenda that wasn't there. If I could ask a question about that, Mayor, if that's,
0: that's yeah, okay? Yeah, did I forget something? I don't
4: think you did. Um, I'll direct this to Jeff, but the, the bus rapid transit contract,
1: uh,
4: I, it's been like months since we thought it was moving forward. and
1: that's right. C- Correct. I know that uh, um, Kent was working. So um, it was determined that iowa city needed to hold that contract in order to get it moving faster Um, i believe kent is working with your your office eric to um uh, to put that agreement together Yes, I think that's right. Um, I was out of the office last week, so I'm not sure if uh, I'm not sure what the status is of that. I apologize. One sec, I may have something here.
4: Because I think I think I asked like in the end of July or beginning of August. That's not going to have to come before us, will it? And I was told no, and here we are.
1: I, I told you that, and I apologize <laughs> for that. I-, I assumed that the um, the MPO board would hold that uh, contract. Um, as they typically would for consultant studies but but in this case it was decided that that iowa city would and when i told you no that we wouldn't have to approve that i was speaking specifically of the twenty-five thousand dollar contribution that i think that i thought we were making towards the contract to the mpo now that we're holding the contract and it's that value it's 250 that would exceed my spending authority So yes, the plan was this agenda, you're correct, um, but we didn't make that deadline. Okay,
4: thank you.
0: Moving on to item number four, information packet discussion, August 17th. Moving on to item number, well, information packet, August 24th. Moving on to information packet August 31st.
2: I kind of mentioned this earlier, but just want to also (laughs) highlight uh, um, the uh, report on the strategic plan update that is in that. uh, and for anybody that's looking for a little light reading, uh, it's it's a, not a horrible document to go through. Uh, and kidding aside, it's a great way to, to kind of for us to hold ourselves accountable, as well as the public, to hold us accountable for the things that we say are priorities, and just to get an update on, on where these things are. And some things mm-hmm. move faster than others, and some are still on the still on the docket, so to speak. So just thank you for, for that report.
4: Yeah, I, that was an excellent, really digestible way to present um, what we're focusing on or what we've done since last December and the adoption of the plan. And I just reiterate the trying to have some benchmarking, some metrics, you know, there was a comment about um, an overall uh, carbon sort of assessment and that, the, you know, our, it, our greenhouse gas emissions have gone down and I know that Sarah has all the details of how much and what that looks like, and she provided all, you know, she has that those projections that we got in her climate report, but just as something that, you know, even very briefly, if we can get a, what does this actually look like as we're making progress on, on things? Um, we also had talked about the possibility of, um, like, when you were talking about the dashboards and that sort of thing, Jeff, of maybe doing a community component of that of sort of like some survey of the community or you know being able to assess the impact of strategic plan
3: action items as they're accomplished okay i might be going in reverse order but this is uh i wanted to bring up ip5 which was pending work topics and i know john um, offered up a couple of suggestions one that i would like to pose as a possible pending um, work topic is to reinvite or invite the school district representatives again um, for an update on universal pre-k uh, with potential additional options of four c's and or other stakeholders in the community to talk about where the where we're at with childcare. um you know, we, we had some, given the enormity of this problem and yet how localized it is and that it has to be individualized solutions, um, I just think it would be great to get an update on saying, okay, well, these are the things that have been accomplished. Here are the hurdles and here are the focuses that we're looking at now. Plus, I would very much like to know what's going on with the school district and their plans as well. So
0: that's my suggestion. Could, could that be a joint entities Ooh. update?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, it could. Yeah. That would be fantastic. So that's my yeah. my suggestion for joint entities coming up. Great. Thank you. Problems I'll assign that to the district. I like it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I know that we talked about the strategic plan. One of the things on there that's in that wonderful shade of green is the free bus. Uh, free bus. And I see that uh, our director is is in the house. But I understand uh, there are some 50% year over. Already. Increase. Yeah. Is that okay to. Please. Yes. Welcome.
4: Um, very exciting to announce that we are 50%, 53% up in ridership over last August, so... Amazing. If you remember, I quoted 20% to 60%, and we are on the very high end of that, so very exciting to see such an immediate impact in the community really embracing the
2: program, so we're thrilled. Yeah, yeah thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: Can I pinball us back to pending work session oh, topics? Sorry. I just want to make sure <laughs> I, I, I Councillor Thomas's suggestions were decided up or down uh, if, if folks want um, uh, additional work session topics on the land use discussions uh, that, that he mentioned. And Councillor Thomas, is there one traffic other one? Traffic safety? Oh, the, the community forum on traffic safety.
3: Okay. And then I know it's already on the uh, pending topics list, but I would, uh, I I believe my understanding is that the community violence intervention group has been working and I would love to get an update on that at some point when they're ready to to speak to that.
0: Any other items? Alright, we're gonna move on to item number five, University of Iowa Student Government Updates. USG. Welcome. Hi, Council. Hello.
4: So First and foremost, obviously, we should probably get it out of the way. Uh, Iowa football won against Utah State in our first game, uh, fourteen to
3: twenty-four. So we're doing really
4: well. Uh, so next week is the CyHawk game, and so that'll be in uh, Ames. I mean Ames. Sorry. <laughs> um, it's also important to note that our Iowa field hockey and volleyball team remain undefeated. They're doing really well. So not everything is about football. Um, we love to have meetings. Uh, we have a meeting planned with uh, Thomas and Alter, and now Al Don as well. So. Uh, we had one with Teague already. And so these are really getting our GR team and um, ourselves really excited for the next upcoming year. So, Matthew. Take it. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, Also, just going on with USG updates, um, we're welcoming a new uh, deputy health and safety director just as more initiatives and concerns regarding, um, just under that umbrella, under health and safety, we kind of are putting someone who's like adjacent to my position in the health and safety department of our executive cabinet. So that's um, new and yeah, they just got welcomed tonight, I believe at Senate. Um, And then fall fall nominations are wrapping up and USG is reviewing our platform um, to organize initiatives and also uh, we want to see accomplished uh, at UI and also welcoming new senators and it's our president's uh mitch winterland's birthday today so a uh, happy birthday to the usg president Thanks. um but that's all i have and we
0: have yeah of course thank you so much guys have a good night yep thank have you. a good one thank you item number six is council updates on boards commissions and committees
4: I realize I could have said it during the uh, IP packet about the listening post, but the listening post on the 19th was really, really great. Um, thanks to Darian and our uh, transportation staff for having the electric bus on site at the diversity market that coincided with the listening post. So there were tons of people who toured the bus. We talked a lot about fare free. We talked a lot about um the electric buses they're so efficient they turn off their air conditioning when they're just sitting there idling so even though it's like 100 degrees outside and we're like hey the bus air conditioned and that didn't go quite like <laughs> planned, but it was good to be able to speak to the energy efficiency of that. Um, I will write up some notes from that listening post, but uh, protected bike infrastructure was something that came up from two people who, um, who came up to the table that day. And a lot of conversations about transit. Um, of course, Sunday service and overnight service were both uh, issues that came up as well.
0: All right, we are adjourned until 6 p.m.